I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs we've talked with. And, and again, this is anecdotal, but I feel like particularly women entrepreneurs who, you know, they've been in business for a while, they're tired. So they just kind of let the business start to falter. We've actually got more than one referral of somebody who went to an attorney to shut down their business. And the attorney said, why are you not selling this? But by then they'd already let it decline. So that's the first thing, right? Is number one, start this before you get tired. Start working on selling it. Start working on figuring out that exit plan before you're ready to do it. Welcome to How Women Inspire, where women lead, invest, and give. I'm your host, Julie Castro Abrams, founder and CEO of How Women Lead and managing partner of the venture firm How Women Invest, feminist, social justice warrior, mother, friend of 50,000 plus badass women, and an expert at helping top executive women get on boards and break down barriers for women entrepreneurs, investors, and social impact activists. In this podcast, we interview women influencers and leaders from across the globe who are in the C-suite, founding companies, investing, and agents of change. We'll share stories of how women lead. We'll provide insights and data, tips you can put into action, and get to know the women who have fiercely and unabashedly stepped into their power in leadership and open doors for other women like you. We discuss topics ranging from the journey of getting a board seat, how we can counter cultural frameworks that change the way the world views women leaders, what we're doing to close the gender funding gap, and driving equity for women in all aspects of life and career. My goal is that after every episode, you walk away feeling inspired, unstoppable, ready to level up and step into your power and influence. I want to break down the cultural narratives that hold us back collectively and those messy messages you heard that are taking up way too much of your brain space. I want you to know you're invited in because I know that together we can change the culture change opportunities, and create the future we want for our daughters and sisters and friends. This is our time. Are you in? Welcome to today's episode of How Women Inspire. Get ready to be inspired because today's guest is an accidental entrepreneur. And I know you all out there listening have some kind of an entrepreneurial idea. So let's get going. After spending her career in healthcare, she became the co-founder and managing partner of SLS Capital Advisors and the Gaffin Group, where she now works with companies to innovate and build infrastructure for growth and successful exits. Did you hear that? Successful exit. She is a proven executive with a strong track record for driving change in organizations. She helps create common vision and a pragmatic plan to get there. So everybody wins. Stephanie, you have such a unique ability to bring people together, and ultimately, we're all more effective and can find common grounds and solve better problems together. Welcome to How Women Inspire. I'm so excited we get to have time together today. Well, thank you. I'm gushing. Before we get started, I would love to just hear what motivates this brilliant accidental entrepreneur. What What are the things, like? if you would say the theme song, the music you put on for good times and tough times, what would that be? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I actually have a morning playlist that gets me up and going. The business equivalent, I guess, of the of the music. And then I'll try to think of some of the songs that is the most eclectic 
mix of songs you've ever heard. To me, I am a natural born helper. I love to help other people. I figured out a long time ago, the things that drive me the most are the mission of the work that I do and the people that I work with. You know, you, you talk about the everybody has an entrepreneurial idea. I never did, but I've always been the person that I love being able to help people. So what's that theme song? What's the, what's the song that we all should listen to to get into our Stephanie groove? Oh, come sail away. Totally. Oh, beautiful. I love I mean, come that. On, right. And you know, I'm a sailor. So of course, yeah, come sail away. So beautiful. But okay, then you so- have to drum on the steering wheel. Oh, is that right? That's how, okay, yeah. everybody got that? So hopefully you all can jam out with the steering wheel drums. Okay, so you say accidental entrepreneur. Tell me just a little bit more about that. How did that actually really happen? It first happened because I was in a corporate job and hit a point where I needed to leave, right? It was not consistent with my values. It was not consistent with the work I wanted to do. And so I left and it was the first time that I had left a job without a clear plan of what I was doing next. And so I said, well, you know, I guess while I'm figuring it out, why don't I hang up my own shingle and see what happens? My first client, which was an organization that I'd interviewed with, I liked them. They liked me. We'd worked together before, but they just didn't have the right job for me at the time. And so I said, well, why don't you just bring me on as a consultant and I'll just do stuff. And that client became, you know, they were my first client. They became my only client. And I did actually end up going back into a full-time role with them for a few, you know, for a number of years. It was a great experience. But later I, I, again, I kind of found that point where I was like, gosh, I just, I want that flexibility. I like working with different companies. I miss doing the consulting. And so shifted back into doing my own thing. But it was definitely, I wish I could say it was like this perfectly well laid out plan and it wasn't at all. You know what, Stephanie, we can, we can literally replace your name with my name and so many other women that I know. Like your story is so common and right. You know, they say during economic downturns, that is when the majority of new business starts happen. And right now we're seeing this mass exodus and also sort of this real understanding as a society, as women, like we can't keep doing it the way we had been doing it. If COVID did nothing else, it really put into hyper relief that we have got to change the way we work. What are you seeing with women entrepreneurs? How is that impacting what we're seeing about entrepreneurism in the United States right now? You know, it's fascinating. And I actually went back to pull some data. It's something that, you know, I see that I feel that you hear. But in the 1970s, right, let's go back. In the 1970s, only 7% of companies were owned by women. Okay. Now, 50 some odd years later, they account for the latest data I found is 42% of all privately held U.S. companies, which is yeah. amazing. And then you look at the rate of growth, right? Between 2007 and 2016, the number of women-owned firms in the U.S. rose five times faster than the total number of companies. There are 1,800 new women-owned businesses being created every single day, which is just amazing. So we have a whole new era in our country where women entrepreneurs are front and center. They're driving for innovation, job creation, and the change we all want to see. What are the other elements in the ecosystem, though? Is it easy for women to get going? What's what's happening for them? So I actually just saw the report by McKinsey called Women in the Workplace. They just came out with it last month, and they said that women leaders are leaving their companies at the highest rate they've ever seen 
at a much higher rate than men leaders. And if you put this in perspective, for every woman at the director level who gets promoted to the next level, two women directors are choosing to leave their company. Now, obviously, not all of them are going out and starting their new companies, right? Their own companies. Not all of them are as crazy as you and I. But if you look at the data about why they chose to leave, they chose to leave yeah, because they were ready to be their own boss, but a huge number, over a third, also left because they were just, quite frankly, they were fed up with corporate America. And I think that, to me, is what's been really interesting. So you see this huge increase in women-owned companies. You see women continuing to face challenges in the corporate world. And I think the other thing that's interesting is when you look at the average age of entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs are younger than the average age, right? So the average business owner is actually equally likely to be either Gen X or baby boomer. Wow. But women are 23% more likely to be part of Gen X. Ah, got it. So younger women are saying, hey, listen, I actually have a choice. I'm going to go create my own thing. And maybe Mm -hmm. I'm going to create the cult, you know, create it with the culture that I wish I had. Are there any other messages like that that you're hearing from the the entrepreneurs that you're they're meeting and the people you're working with? What else are they trying to do differently? Well, you know, it's really interesting. And Julie, I think as you know, the second part of my entrepreneurial journey, because being a little bit of an overachiever, I didn't stop at one. But what we found was, you know, it was really interesting for companies who have a bottom line or an EBITDA of $5 million or greater, and they're ready to exit. And I'm going to come back to your question in just a minute. There are so many investment banks out there to help them. What we found is that for smaller companies, right, that they're bigger than they might go to what's called a business broker, but they're not big enough for those big investment banks. And those companies had a real need. And so that became, we saw the need. And so that became our second company was a boutique investment bank. And so we actually work with a ton of small companies, helping them recognize the economic value that you've created. So you talk about what gets me up in the morning. I never thought that I would actually find mission in my work. I never thought I would own an investment bank. I never thought I would work for it. How many women own investment banks in this country? Like, I don't know if you have Not many. Not many, right? Not many. You are Uh, a feeling breaker. But I've actually found that I love it. I was on the phone with, with a woman business owner this morning, helping her through one of the scary parts of the process of getting ready to sell her company and being able to say like, yeah, I know it's really scary, but this is right, you know, and you can do this and this is okay. And so, you know, to me, when I put all those data points together, my hypothesis is I think we're just getting ready to see the first big wave of exits for women-owned companies. There's been a wave for a while as, again, among all business owners, which are predominantly men, the baby boomers have been hitting retirement age. Mm -hmm. But we've not seen, I don't think, the big wave. I I actually could not find any data on the number of exits of women-owned companies. And when you say exit, can you tell us what you mean when you say exit? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm speaking like in jargon and I didn't even realize it. So an exit means you sold your company and moved on, right? So you exited the business and moved on to the next thing. You've heard me say it before. My goal is for you to run the world. And let me tell you why. It's not just because I think you're fabulous badass and you know that I do. It is actually protective for all of us. When you have diversity on a board, for example, product recalls happen three times faster. Companies perform better. 
It's better for people, it's better for profits, and it's better for the planet. We need you to join a corporate board and we need you to know when to advocate for it in your day job. October 16th through the 20th, How Women Lead is hosting our extremely successful fourth annual Get On Board Week. This week is full of virtual programming, content rich, but also connecting, connecting, connecting. And we know 85% of all board searches, they're word of mouth and through connections. We want to connect you with private equity firms that are seeking board members. We want to connect you with other women board members who've already done it, who are being tagged and can't take all the board seats that are coming their way. We will have board opportunities that we will share with you. Really, truly, this is our way to connect and propel you. This is one week, but what happens is people connect with people on LinkedIn or they create mastermind groups that they support each other all year long. I want you to step up and be part of the solution. My daughter needs you on the board. But I also want to inspire you to think about all the women around you where you can be the person who inspires her and says, I see you on a board. I think you should be on a board. Check it out. Come and explore. Invite 10 friends. Tell them that you believe in them. It's the greatest gift you can give. Somebody did it for you. And I want to encourage you to do it for another woman. I look forward to seeing you at Get On Board Week so we can get thousands of women on boards. This year, our focus beyond the private boards that we've always focused on, we're adding the private board space. It's time. Thanks for your partnership. Send the letter back down and help another woman get into action. I read the book, The Founder's Dilemma. You know, there's some there's information out there about, you know, what you need to do right. But will you tell us, like, if you're going to advise a woman entrepreneur well before she's about to sell her company, what does she need to do to set it up right so that ultimately she can sell it and really, you know, walk out with some real cash? Okay. So the first thing that you said is actually the most important thing, which is in advance. Yeah. Right. I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs we've talked with. And and again, this is anecdotal, but I feel like particularly women entrepreneurs who, you know, they've been in business for a while, they're tired. And so they just kind of let the business start to falter. We've actually got more than one referral of somebody who went to an attorney to shut down their business. And the attorney said, why are you not selling this? Yes. But by then they'd already let it decline. So that's the first thing, right? Is number one, start this before you get tired. Start working on selling it. Start working on figuring out that exit plan before you're ready to do it. The second thing I would say is you have to create something that will survive you. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a future revenue stream. Ultimately, when somebody buys a company, what they're buying is a future revenue stream. So if you don't have any employees, like 90% of, literally 90% of women-owned businesses have no employees Mm -hmm. and 5% have only one to four. Now, one to four, you can get there, right? But that's not a lot. And if there's nobody else to do the work, how is it going to survive you, right? So to start to think about who else do I have in my firm that can do what I do? Who else knows the customers? Who else can sell the work, right? Do I have recurring customers? Do I have recurring revenue? That's always one of the best things people love. And then the third thing that I would say is it is helpful if you can start to pass certain thresholds for both top line and bottom line. So top line is revenue. 
so we said, remember that 42% of the companies are women owned, but only 20% of the companies that actually have a million dollars in revenue or more are women owned. So there's a big gap there, right? And and what do you, why do you think that is? Yeah, really good question. So I think it's a couple of things. I think number one, there is something about the types of businesses that women go into. The number one area they go into is retail and it's hard to get past those revenue thresholds in retail. So I I do think there's an element of just the types of businesses that women tend to create. I think the second thing is there's still all kinds of data about women are continuing to be the childcare providers. They're continuing to juggle. Again, they're also younger, right? So they still have young kids at home. You know, the businesses are still newer. And I also think if you don't have that intentionality, if you don't realize that there's a reason that I need to push past these thresholds, but I will tell you when we go to sell companies, one of the first things that they're looking at is size. There are so many people out there right now who are, they're chasing deals. They want to buy companies, Yeah, but you've got to get past these revenue thresholds and these, these EBITDA, these profitability thresholds. Okay. So if I'm an entrepreneur and I want to, I want to make real money someday, there's a big opportunity today. There's a big, there's a big wave is what I'm hearing from you. Um, As long as I can get my company over at least a million dollars and have, you know, let's, let's say five to 20 employees, I have a better chance of being interesting to potentially sell the company. So starting early on and having a target of scale is really important. And I would say to really start to make it interesting, it needs to be actually a million dollars in EBITDA, not just a million dollars in in revenue. And when you start to get to two, three, and then there's a big threshold at $5 million in EBITDA, that now your options explode. Yeah. But even if you get to 500,000, a million dollars in EBITDA, the number of options you have to sell that company go up tremendously. Yeah. Fantastic. So when do they call an investment banker, their favorite woman investment banker who happens to be named Stephanie? (laughs) Uh, Well, so as we said, right, number one, they should call well in advance, right? And this is where it's kind of nice. And this is part of what I love about what we've set up is that we have the consulting side too. And so we love being able to work with someone on a consulting side that's informed by our transaction side to say, okay, how do you think about this? What is it that you need to create? We're actually working with another fabulous woman-owned company in the healthcare space that is being smart enough to do this because it's hard to grow your company. It's really hard. But helping them build that infrastructure to growth with an eye towards what will ultimately make them attractive to a buyer when they are ready to do that in probably five, six years. So there's lots of ways that you can scale a company and get to this point that you're talking about. But I know one of the things certainly I know about, I've worked in for 20 years, is how do you capitalize women's businesses and what's going on in the market? Talk a little bit about capital and maybe even are there some challenges for women getting securing capital? Oh, Julie, I know this is one of your favorite topics. (laughs) I pulled out, I know how many data points you have on this. I tried to find a new one. So just one out of every $23 in conventional small business loans goes to women-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. So if we look at whether it's the debt or the equity side, women are not participating at nearly the rate. If women own 42% of the businesses, wouldn't we expect that somewhere in that range of the funding would be going to women? And we know that that's not right. But 
BCG did this fabulous analysis of mass challenge. So they're a US-based global network of accelerators. Do you know them? Are you familiar with them? I do know them. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And what they found is that despite lower amounts of funding, for every dollar of funding, women-owned startups generate 78 cents, while male-owned startups generate less than half of that, 31 cents. Wow. Now, again, before I get accused of male bashing, which is not my intent, right? And part of this, I think, is because women have had to fight so hard for that funding. When they get funded, man, are they good. Yeah, well, they, you have to be the absolute best of the best to get the funding. So no, right. no surprise. So that's right. Uh, I always say when you know when you have uh, mediocre women on a corporate board, you'll we'll know we would, we've made it right. When we start to get mediocre exactly right. women-owned companies funded, right? Women have a lot of assets, including our the power of our networks that we can bring to play. What would you recommend that we think about? Yeah, kind of an ecosystem that's better for women. Yeah, it's one of the things that I love to do. And you take the M&A industry and my business partner actually happens to be my husband. So we are also unusual in that we're a husband and wife team. The first time that I went to a kind of a big industry event and he kept telling me, he's like, you are going to be unique. And he loved the idea of being able to focus on it and support women-owned businesses The first time I walked into a room at one of these industry events and I stopped and I looked around, I can't tell you, Julie, the last time that I had been in a room that was that male dominated. But what's been really cool to watch is the way that the women who are in the industry support each other. Fabulous. You know, there's a, I'm going to totally call them out. There's a fabulous group of women who are in business development and PE firms in Cleveland, Ohio. And they figured out a long time ago, they actually don't compete on that many deals. They do much better if they cooperate. So I can call any one of them. They all know what they're looking for. I can call one of them and say, hey, I've got this kind of a company. What do you think? Oh, you know, not the right thing for me, but did you call so-and-so? Do you know her? And if not, let me make an introduction. And so it becomes this fantastic group that really supports each other. And I think that's what we find, right? When we're inside organizations, We need people to amplify that voice to tell us that we're not crazy, you know, because otherwise you're like, wait a minute, I I thought I just made that point. Didn't I just make that point? Well, and you don't hear that point. What what you just are doing right now is you just, our entire How Women Lead credo, you just sort of reinforce that with this story that you just told. Be fierce advocates for each other. We're better off if we're advocating and supporting each other. Um, The culture's not set up for that well, right? The other one is say yes to making introductions. As women, with all of us that are in these positions of influence and power, even so, if we don't support each other in making introductions and, and reinforcing her voice when she speaks up and isn't heard, we will continue to stagnate. But, you know, we have this massive opportunity with all these new entrepreneurs If we just get behind them, say we're going to give them a shot, we're going to fund their companies, we're going to use their products, we're going to be ambassadors for them with other entrepreneurs or other business development opportunities, right? No, that's exactly right. And it's, you know, it's really interesting as I've started to look at data. The good news is there's starting to be a lot more data shining light on the challenge of women-owned businesses getting funding. What I'm not seeing yet is anything talking about exits. Now, by the way, this isn't just women, but it is amazing when I talk to business owners, it seems like there's it's like there's a barbell, 
right? You either have heard what gets called the country club multiple, right? Uh Which means that I have my buddy that I golf with. And yes, this is a male dominated analogy because that's kind of what's mostly been out there. And he sold his company for 14 times EBITDA, right? Which means you take the bottom line, you multiply it by 14. And that was the amount that they sold it for. But what people fail to realize is, wait a minute, but that was a tech SaaS enabled recurring revenue business. And I own a construction company, which is great, but it's not going to trade at the same multiple. The other end of the spectrum is people who don't actually recognize that they've created value and they've created something that they can sell, which by the way, that drives me crazy because the first one I can't address with data to help set more realistic expectations. The one on the end, those are the people that are going to the attorney saying, how do I shut down my business after they've already let a lot of the value just dissipate and they're not capitalizing. They're not being able to recognize that economic value that they've created. And oh, oh, by the way, those employees that they'd had, right? The people that they gave jobs to, the services that they were providing, those just went away. Oh, drives me crazy. It's my well, favorite. You're, you're such an inspiration. There's so many lessons that I just heard for all of us, which is uh, one, call Stephanie early, plan early, really make sure that you are getting to the scale that could allow you for that successful exit that just makes it possible for you to be able to have choices. Maybe the next thing that you do is start another company. Maybe you invest in other women-owned companies, but whatever it, maybe you buy a house for your mom. Whatever it is, don't forget that there's big value in this company. All right. So you have a mantra that I've heard you say before. I'm going to let you say it, but I'd love to hear your mantra. And why is it important to you for your daily life? Yes, you do know this one. So the mantra is awesome. Holy shit. We'll figure it out. All right. So, so this actually came out of an organization that I worked for that was, we were on the rocket ride, right? From startup to IPO. And yeah, I started to realize we had a formal motto, but I, I used to joke that this was the real motto of the company and it's kind of become my personal motto. And if you break it down, I believe all three of those things in the right proportion are actually critical to do anything really cool. You've got to have the awesome. If you're not excited about what you're doing, then what are you doing? You're either not doing something very interesting or you're not doing something that's the right fit for you. So, you know, if you think about the new client just signed, you just signed the lease on a new to open up your first brick and mortar store, whatever it is, there ought to be this feeling of like, you're excited. You're awesome. You're jumping up and down. You're celebrating. You're popping the champagne, right? That is quickly followed by, holy shit. Right yeah. now, I gotta do it. Now I gotta <laughs> do it. Right. <laughs> if you're not kind of terrified uh-huh. again, then it, it you might like it, but you're probably not really doing something that's big enough, that's scary. Yeah, kind of. There's a fair amount of terror in doing anything really that's exciting really and worth really while. cool. Yeah, uh-huh. right. But it has to be balanced out by the third, which is I'll figure it out or we'll figure it out, right? Go back to that network. We'll figure it out because I've got women I can depend on. I've got people that I can go out to. And that resolve that says, you know what? I'm excited about it. Holy shit, that's scary, but I'm going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. We're going to, whatever it is. And you you think about if you don't have those in the right proportion, right? If there's too much holy shit and not enough, we'll figure it out. You actually may have taken on something that can't be solved. Yeah. Right. Or that's too big or it's not the right thing. You're not, you're not acknowledging and planning to solve it. Right. Yeah. Right. If you genuinely don't think you can figure it out, then okay, then we have another problem. If there's nothing to figure out, 
well, then again, you're probably not pushing the envelope and doing something really cool and new. So, you know, to me, it's got to be those three things and it kind of has to be in that order and it kind of has to be in proportion. But when you put those together, that's where the magic happens, right? All right, Stephanie, anyone listening to this has got to feel like, boy, one, what an amazing advisor, balanced, wise, inspiring, and have done it. And then, you know, having you by someone's side as as they're looking at, you know, how are they going to sell this company? You inspire so much confidence. How did you get to this place? What did your mom do? How did you become the oh Stephanie that we're, we're hearing about today? Oh my gosh, you are too kind. My mom is awesome. And my dad is awesome. Now, you know what? I, I do think actually my mom is one who is the first to lend a hand, right? And uh, God bless her. She is my biggest cheerleader. You wonder you know, why you're such a great supporter of other women, you know? Yeah, Start I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, and I mean, again, bless her heart. Like she doesn't at this point, and I think she would be the first to say she doesn't totally understand what I do. I mean, she gets, you know, helping to sell companies, but, but she's so proud of us that, you know, that, that it's so proud of me that we started this company and, you know, and it's fantastic to see her support my kids. And, you know, and I think part of it, Julie, it's a choice, right? And it's about, you have to choose to put on your rose colored glasses. Mm-hmm. You have to choose to find the positive and man, I, I don't get there every day. You know, I've got more than my share of crappy days or certainly my fair share of crappy days. And you, you might, wallow there for a little while, but ultimately you've got to make a choice and figure out what it is that, you know, what is it that, that inspires you? And so you you put on Pitbull, right? That says, you know, fear, what is it? Forget everything and run or face everything and rise. And, you know, you choose to So yeah, I've now quoted Pitbull and, um, (laughs) we're coming full circle, baby. You're the complexity and interesting uh, person who you are. Okay, so what's next for you? Where will you be in five to ten years? What's oh man! Yeah, so I, you know, I think part of it it is continuing to craft my own journey. I love continuing to get better and better at what I do, and finding new ways to both connect other women and to be able to bring that support, that guidance to them. So getting involved in company boards. My hope is that I continue to push that voice so that I'm encouraging women business owners to realize that they've created something really cool and help them on that journey to say, okay, before I lose momentum, I got to go do this, then I'm ready to sell my company. And you know, and again, as you say, that gives choice. So that I think is really where that's been what I've started to focus on over the last year or so is really continuing to build my network in a different way and to say, this is really something that I want to drive. Well, everybody who gets to interface with you is so lucky. You're such an inspiration and you make it to seem like, well, I can do that. Like you really give that sense of like, all things are possible. Just make a plan. We'll Uh, figure it out. Yeah. And have somebody like Stephanie on the speed dial so that, you know, in those moments when it feels tough, they just make it feel like, oh, you know what? You know, maybe, oh shit, but let's figure that out. I loved this frame. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else that any last words you want to share with people? My last words are just be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Oh, that's beautiful. Where can people find you on social media or other ways? Yeah, you can find us on our website at slscapitaladvisors.com and you can find me on LinkedIn and 
I've tried to get better about other social media sites, but LinkedIn and Facebook are, or LinkedIn and, and our website are the best place to find me. I think that's completely acceptable. Well, thank you so much. You've given us so much to be hopeful for. Uh, this new wave of entrepreneurs, let's just make sure they get big enough and they can have great exits so that we have a wave of women building wealth and creating jobs and creating the companies that we want to see into the future. Thank yeah. you. So thank you for having me. This has been so fun. Anybody who is listening to this podcast today and hasn't signed up yet to get additional podcast invitations, go on howwomenlead.com and just sign up. You can also always find us on LinkedIn at howwomenlead, all one word. We look forward to seeing your success. Think big. If you're not uh, feeling a little bit of pain or uh, nauseousness in your stomach, you might not be thinking big enough, according to Stephanie. So I hope that you'll push the envelope. And after today, you'll reflect a little bit in what is that big uh, move that you can take that's going to set you up for a beautiful future. Thank you, my friends. Have a wonderful day. And with that, I want to thank you all for listening to today's episode of How Women Inspire. And because your inspiration should not stop when this podcast ends, head over to our website, howwomenlead.com. Follow us on LinkedIn at How Women Lead and subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app to find out how you can proactively take charge and step into your power through our workshops and activism in our loving network. We want to propel you. See you next time, ladies. And remember to be unabashedly visible.